Good morning, South Everett. How are we? Doing well? Settling into some sort of new fall rhythm by now, I hope, as we prepare for what God has for us in this season to come. As I think about commissioning and sending in these verses and thoughts that Vanessa shared with us this morning, and then I think about the cities and the places where God has intentionally positioned us It makes me excited because I look around the room and I don't see anyone in here who is at present living unintentionally. That's important. We're people who are poised and ready to receive what the Lord has for us in its fullness and to step into that. And as we step into the identity, as we fully understand that before anything else, we are children of God because the Father has lavished his love upon us so that we would be considered his children, and we step into that identity more fully than any other identity, uh, any other vocational calling that we would understand first and foremost, if everything else stopped tomorrow, our identity as Jesus's kids would continue forward. As the Father's children, we continue forward in that identity as co-heirs with Christ. We have that, and then out of that, we step into our purpose, and as we step into what God has called us to do, it opens the doors for others to do the same. That the Lord would do a good work in us, and we would live out that work in such a way that people would point to the good work and say, there is a God in heaven who has called me also. That's it. That's discipleship. Stepping into our identity, stepping into our purpose and then really living out of that. And that's the hope, that's the prayer, all the more for South Everett Foursquare in this season is to be a people who are relentlessly pursuing our intimacy with Jesus and then living out of the calling that he has given us because his word says that he has prepared good works for us in advance to do. So we get to step into those things. It's really exciting. When I think about the life In the mission of South Everett, it's not just a place to show up and hang out. It is that. But that when we would wake up in the morning and we would come to gather as the body of Christ, that it would be a place where we could show up each week to discover more about the unfolding adventures that God has called us into. That it's not just a place of consumption. It's a place of encouragement for us and for others. As we get to know each other and the calling that God has put on each of our lives this becomes a much more compelling place to spend time. Even more compelling than the next episode of whatever Netflix show we're binging. You know, you know, sometimes you get to the end of that show and you're like, I just gotta watch the next one, right? Why? Because there's a story unfolding that's worth investing in. And the more and more we step into that identity and purpose as a people, the more and more I show up on Sundays thinking, oh, what's going on in this person's story? And how might I encourage them? And what do I have to advance in my story this week that I could share with somebody else? And then it just becomes this hot burning coal, right? Those deep burning embers Man. of life lived on purpose, not out of a program, but out of a deep place of intentionality and calling. That is the vision for this fellowship as it grows. And as it grows, others are blessed by it. As we seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, the place where God has called us, as we seek its prosperity, we too shall prosper. We're not about ourselves. We're about the work that God is doing in this community, in the nonprofit sector, in the business sector, in the missional sector, 
in the education sector, whatever it happens to be, wherever we go and spend the week really matters. And we want to prepare ourselves for that each week as we go. Amen? With that said, I'm going to introduce our guest this morning. Uh, his name is Sam Krautwurst. Many of you know him. He's become a friend of South Everett. Uh, Sam has been an ordained minister within the Assemblies of God Church for, is it, is it 50 years now or awfully close? It's 50? It's amazing because you're only 27, so I don't know how that worked out. But. <laughs> That's what I feel. You feel and you act as such that you are 27. That's a wonderful thing. You keep kicking. But Sam, uh, yes, ordained minister in the Assemblies of God Church 50 plus years. That has played out in so many different avenues and agencies. It's not just dialed down to one thing. Sam uh, worked in a, in a youth correctional facility in Nacelle, Washington for a number of years, loving on some of our most vulnerable young people. Uh, did that first season and then moved to the Seattle area, was the executive pastor of Westminster's Assemblies. He very fully served there for 10 years and then got into the teaching sector and was a Bible teacher with Bellevue Christian for a handful of years and then spent 23 years as the seventh grade Bible teacher with King's Schools in Shoreline. And so uh, he is good at all things he does except <laughs> retiring. So. <laughs> Sam retired from teaching, and now he's pastoring in a whole different space and place, uh, going uh, from place to place, working with seniors in the community to provide yard work at affordable prices. And, and so he landscapes just like he teaches, just like he worked in a correctional facility, just like he worked in a church. But in that, he shepherds in all of those spaces. Sam, above all things, is a shepherd. Um, he relentlessly pursues people on behalf of Jesus. That's just who he is, what he does. And uh, every, you know, we're neighbors, we've been neighbors with him for about 15 years, and now he comes home with his rakes and his shovels and all the things, and he doesn't talk about the landscaping he does as much as he talks about the relationships he's forming with people that just need to um, be encouraged. And so Sam has come to encourage us today as we re-engage with the Bible project. We've completed the Old Testament, now we're moving into the New Testament, and so back into the rhythm. If you didn't get a chance to watch the Bible Project teaching this week, that's okay. Beat yourself up. It's totally fine. But each week we will be now moving forward in another part of that teaching. And so this week is Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Sam's going to come and share some reflections about that and then get us into our groups. So would you please welcome Sam Croppers. <laughs> um, today we take a look at Matthew. Jesus is God with us. If you want to hire someone to work for you, to be a part of your team, what would you choose? You'd be able to think of what are some qualities that you would see in somebody that you want to have work for your company, work together with you. Who did Jesus pick to be on his team? One of the ones he picked on his team probably would not be in your list. And it says in Matthew 9, verses 9 through 12. Matthew 9, 9 through 12. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus said, follow me. One long sermon. Wasn't a big long talk. He just said, follow me. He told him, and Matthew got up 
And what did he do? He followed him. Now, this next verse is something that should startle all of you. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and, in quotes, sinners. That means people that really are not doing the right thing. <coughs> came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, when the religious people, people that were so-called doing the right thing, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What's the deal? Why? He's supposed to be so good. Why is he eating with the scums, scumbags, basically, or these people that are just outcasts? He shouldn't be doing that. Doesn't he know who they are? On hearing this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn from what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Not the effort, not doing it yourself. All that you do to impress. Mercy, love, compassion. For I, uh, I, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Righteous not because they were doing the right thing, but they were trying to earn favor with God by doing all those things that would so-called impress God. But he wanted to go ahead and interact with people who were open and open to him. Now, would you choose Matthew for your team? Do you know what he was? Tax collector. Oh, I you think of IRS, maybe, or something along that line. But, but let's paint the picture. First of all, he collected taxes for an oppressive government, the Romans, which was hated by the Jews and viewed as traitors to the fellow Jews. He would enrich himself at the expense of the fellow Jews. He cheated people he collected from because he not only collected enough money to hand over to the Roman, Roman government, which they people just totally disliked, sometimes hated. But he would pocket some himself. He had a well-to-do lifestyle because he had so much money that he pocketed. Okay, that's bad enough, but then most of the Jews had just enough to live on. So here's someone that so-called call himself a Jew who is pocketing this money and then going along with the Roman government, though he may hate it. And you know what? They also, the tax collectors have kind of a clique going because nobody else liked them, so they stuck together, and that's why they showed up together to eat at Matthew's place. You know what? How many of us would accept somebody like that? That'd be hard. It'd be very difficult. No wonder the Jews were so upset. Why are you, why are you choosing this guy? Don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he's done? Don't you know what he's doing now? You can imagine what the people felt like when Jesus went ahead and chose somebody like 
like Matthew. Jesus loved to pick Matthew, and look what God did through the life of this man. He writes, I think, 28 chapters. He had a lot to say. So one of the questions that I was having that would relate to us is, who has God placed around you in your life, maybe even some that you wouldn't necessarily choose to be around? Maybe, maybe they wouldn't be in your group. Maybe, maybe you won't be spending a lot of time, but who around you could you make a difference in their life? And you make a part of your life by the way you treat them and pay attention to them and show kindness and caring to them. And who does God want you to lead to him? By how you treat them, by what you say to them, by your listening ear. And probably some of the folks wouldn't be ones you'd choose on your top ten list. But God would say to you, I want you to be my extension to them. Are they work associates? Are they neighbors? Are they people in the stores you frequent? Are they relatives? Who are the ones that, some that you would go naturally to, but some you wouldn't? And who can, who can I be open to, Lord, being your prayer? Who, who do you want to have me impact? With a kind word, a hello, genuine question, or have a blessed day. Uh, one of the things, I, I don't view myself as really fancy or impressive or I'm saying. And so I, I want to be open to people. I want to treat them with respect. I want to listen to them. I want to grow to enjoy talking with them. Recently, my wife and I had a, just a tremendous time on vacation. I've I, I so, been so busy with doing yard work for seniors. And Jan said, oh, that's great. I've got you to myself for a week. And we had a great time. That was so good. I, I, those are the times that are needed in our lives, to be able to get away and spend time together focusing on each other. But during my time there, it's really hard for me not to talk to people. <laughs> Because I view that's one way of, of bringing about blessing and pointing people to Jesus by paying attention to them and, and asking that extra question. There was, um, I was riding my bike uh, on, the, on this pathway that I did almost every day. There was a gentleman that was there and he was doing yard work. And he looked like he was perhaps Hispanic. So what I do is, um, I, I, I tried to welcome him in, in Spanish, and he kind of looked at me strange, and so I repeated it, and he said, he basically he nodded, yeah, I got it this time. <laughs> um, and so before I left, I turned to him and gave him one line. This is a, this is a statement that I knew in, in Spanish. Dios te bendiga. And he turned and he smiled and nodded. And then I said, adios. And he goes, and took off and fell. But 
you would have thought, well, you didn't have a chance to say very much. No, you're right. But there was one line that I could give that would add to his day. Or how about Barb? She was, she was two apartments down from us where we were staying. And she, when she said, hi, how are you doing? She must have been 90 years old, I think it was. How are you doing? You're just full of vim and vigor. And I, I can't remember what opened the door, but she says, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I said, that's great. <clears throat> and so um, uh, we just talked just a little bit together. And said, that was, and said, Jan and I are staying down here. <clears throat> well, on one of the other days I was riding my bike, and one of the things I try to remember is look for an opportunity to connect with people and point them to Jesus in whatever way works out. And so I said to her, and this is what I've been doing more, I said, I said to her, you know, it was so nice to see you, Barb. And she was carrying a couple of bags of groceries from a store while I was riding my bike, and I said to her, do you have a minute? And she said, yeah. I said, how would you like to pray together? And she said, sure. Isn't that amazing how when you ask a question or you connect with somebody, sometimes you get a different response than you would have assumed that you'd get. See, Jesus did that all the time, didn't he? He talked to people that you wouldn't suspect. He said things to them and he gave them an in a chance to interact with him. And I said, how about praying? That sound all right with you? And she said, yes. And so she went ahead and said, I said, why don't you start off? And she said, okay. And she said, in the name of the Father, Son, Hope, crossed herself. And she prayed. And I said, okay, I'll pray too. And I said, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because you try to connect with people on ways that you can connect, that are okay. That are good. And at the end, I said to her, something that I would encourage, if you don't already do this, maybe think of this as something you could do. How about we take just 30 seconds to listen to what God's saying to us? And she said, okay. And so and I said, when you're done, say amen. <clears throat> the thing about it is, if you treat people with respect, if you give them an opportunity rather than force them and say, is this sound okay with you? It allows them doors that you would never under imagine. And so at the end, I heard amen, and I said, Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's something I can, I'm glad to say. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what we believe. And then I said, can I help you carry? I know I'm riding my bike. Can I help you carry your, your bags? And she said, no, that's okay. I got them. And so this 90-year-old lady walks down with a smile on her face and I with tears in my heart saying, I, I'm glad I didn't miss that chance. I'm glad I went ahead and ventured forth. The worst that would happen is she would say, no, I don't want to do it. But she was thrilled to, and she waved. And how about the janitor? The janitor went ahead and got his extension cord for my wife because she, had, she was out on the front area looking over the water. And 
her uh, uh, cell phone cord wouldn't right, reach, so we got the janitor, the janitor came and helped, and we said, thank you so much, that was really nice of you. Later on, I got talking with him, just to talk to him briefly, and I don't know how it happened. Oh, I do, the Lord was there. But I said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I am a foster dad, and I take in foster, my wife and I take in foster kids, and I said, oh, that's wonderful. And he said, I'm a Christian. Okay, if I had missed that, that wouldn't have been the end of the world. But if I took advantage of that situation, oh, it just enhanced. And then he said, I love Jesus. He, that wouldn't have happened had I not ventured forth to, be, to add just one little statement and just open up to say, I want to listen to you. And then I said, how about praying? Does that sound okay? And he said, yeah, sure. I said, why don't you lead home? So he led up. Would that have happened? No. The invitation coming and saying, that's an okay thing to do. Let's do it. So he went ahead and he, he prayed. I prayed and I said, you know what? Something I've done lately is at the end of the prayer, say, okay, we talked to you, God. Let's listen to you. Because you, you're smarter than we are and you know what we need to hear. And he said, okay. And at the end of it, I said, you say amen, would you? You say amen when you're done. See, I don't want to impose. I want to go ahead and give the other person a chance to go ahead and say, I'm done. And respect that. That makes it so much more comfortable, doesn't it? Rather than imposing our thoughts on somebody else. At the end, he said amen. I will never forget what he said. said, that's the first time I've ever done that. Mm. I've, I've never done that before. I'm asking God, what do you want to say to me? And he mm. spoke to me. Oh. And he said, I've never done that before. But with eyes and a smile, he said, I'm going to do that from now on. Wow. I know, I thought, ooh. Not only did I meet a fellow believer, not only did we pray together, but I encouraged him with something that has helped me so much in my life of shutting up, <laughs> of being quiet at the end of the prayer and say, you're, you're smarter than we are. What's a, something you want to say? What's a thought you want to give? Because we believe that, don't we? That God speaks to us through his word, through his spirit, and to invite other people to do that without taking them to church without being right there, wherever we are. And I usually tell them 30 seconds <coughs> so that they don't know it's, you know, they're freed up to think, oh, no, we're going to talk for, pray for half an hour. or It's, it's like a, an opening for them. Um, in, in Matthew's Gospel, it talks about an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of this world is superimposing power on top Pharisees on top that's why they didn't like Jesus because he didn't he didn't put them on top he put his heavenly father and he put people on top all those that they had devalued 
Jesus is God with us. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus created a new family of people. One that loved God, loved their neighbors, and here's the catch, and this is the harder one, and loved their enemies. Which is radical. What I love about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Peter was speaking and he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good. Doing good. Not just preaching, but doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus went around doing good. He went around healing and helping. And I like uh, one of the other passages says um, helping all those who are oppressed, overwhelmed, hurting. And you know what? He calls us to do the same thing. To help those who are hurting, oppressed. And some of that means we have to take some time to listen. To listen to other people, to ask questions, find out what the hurt is, and let them know we're willing to listen to them. And if they will, if they let us pray for them, which is a wonderful thing. So Jesus had said to. Um, uh, in um, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, We are really glad that Jesus is reaching out to tax collectors and sinners. We hope that he does that more often because that will be really good for all of us. Is that that wrong translation? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus responded, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what that means. I desire mercy, kindness, compassion, not sacrifice, not just doing the right things. Look at all that I do. Look what I'm doing. I look what I'm sacrificing. For I have not come to call the righteous or the ones that act like they're righteous or superior, but sinners, ones who know what they've been redeemed from and are grateful and want to have other people experience what they've experienced. That's what I'm looking for, Jesus said. You know what? You know who loved Jesus? Who loved Jesus? God. God. (laughs) After God? How about on the human level? John. Mary. Lady, a lady, that was kind of surprising, right? In that time. 
partners. They knew where they were. They knew what they'd been helped with. And they knew who could help them. And they loved him. And then, begins with C. Children? Yes, yes. <laughs> the kids. And kids like someone that they can trust. That's open-armed, open to them. And, and Jesus wants us all to be like children, didn't he? Not childish, but childlike in faith. Who was wondering about Jesus? <laughs> Remember John the Baptist? Baptist. Yeah, he was kind of, who is this guy anyways? And then, and then Jesus' own family were kind of wondering, who is this guy anyways? Mm -hmm. And, and who, who was opposed to Jesus? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. Religious leaders. And why were they? Threat. Threat. Yeah. They were a threat? And why were they a threat to Because he was going against what they were believing in, their laws. Yes, they weren't going along with their laws. And what came along with, what came along with their their laws, their rules and regulations. What, 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 what's that? Yes, their power and their status. He was a threat to that because he loved everyone. He reached out, especially those that were hurting. All right. So I didn't cover everything on the video. I know what is it? PowerPoint. No, that's that's good because then you'll have to go look. <laughs> It's worth a look. It's really, really well done. But we've touched on some area, and I think what I wanted to come across to you with is, I, I want, I want adventure in my life, and that adventure is found by um, humbleness. About willing to ask questions like, "How are you doing? What's what's good happening in your life?" To neighbors. That's what I like to say. Maybe if you don't already have an intro, what's something good that's happened in your life to tell somebody? Mm. And, and if they don't say anything good, well, can you tell me something bad that's happened? <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. People laugh. But the idea is I really want to, maybe just a couple minutes, maybe it's the only time we spend together, but tell me something about yourself. Mm. I'm willing to listen. How many like to have somebody ask you a question and have you talk? <laughs> no, the rest of you don't? <laughs> I like other talking. What's that? I like talking. Oh, I like <laughs> But I think all of us want to be heard. All of us want to be understood. All of us want to be cared about. And we have great power before we even maybe introduce Jesus introduce ourselves and care about them enough to take attention on how you doing and even a, it's good to see it have a good day I mean it, those kind of things it's surprising how little is said and how much people especially now with all the crises that are happening in the world somebody that pays attention and says a good word okay this is <clears throat> before we go ahead and break down I think it's the groups right I've been, I've been struggling. I didn't share this earlier because I didn't want to have you cry, <laughs> or I didn't want to be negative. 
But you know what? Life isn't always easy. And, and the answers to life questions aren't always easy. How many know that? Um, whether it's for you or a loved one or a friend or things that are difficult. And the gospel doesn't make everything smooth. I mean, everything isn't like who was saying. Uh, Matthew was, was executed for his faith. In fact, most of the disciples faced a lot of persecution and some martyred for their faith. So I think it's good to go ahead and include the idea that not everything is going to go our way. Just because you're smiling or happy, not everybody's going to be happy with you. Not everybody's going to, sometimes you'll say something and do something in good faith, but not have it received. And you walk away saying, oh, I'm not going to do that again. <coughs> you know, or just, boy, that didn't work out very well. But um, it's in the hands of the Lord. We do what he wants us to do and leave the results to him. And there's also, you know this too, there's stuff that happens to us that we don't want to have happen. We wish it hadn't happened. And we have to still hold tight to the Lord in the midst of problems, in the midst of things that don't go. We've even prayed about it and it doesn't work the way we want. And what are we going to do? How can we handle it? Um, my wife and I really enjoy this 40 days of faith we've been reading. And I've got this with three stars. Not because it's touchy-feely or feel good afterwards, but because it's true. Okay, if I read this, and then we'll be given a small group. Okay. The best theology will not remove mystery from your life. So rest is found in trusting the one who rules, is all, and knows no mystery. Her voice quivered that morning as she told me to get home as quick as I could. My wife, Luella, is a very emotionally stable woman. She isn't easily rocked. I knew what we were facing was serious because it had rocked her. I was about six hours away with my assistant. I made the nervous trip home. Nicole, my daughter, had started to walk home from work late the previous night as she had done many nights before. A car driven by a drunk and unlicensed driver careened up the sidewalk and crushed Nicole against the wall. She had devastating injuries, including 11 breaks of her pelvis and massive internal bleeding. When I finally got to the hospital and walked into Nicole's intensive care room, I did what any father would with a drop of parental blood in him would do. I fell apart. I crawled up on Nicole's bed, not sure if she could hear me, and said, It's Dad. You're not alone. And God is with you too. When I walked into that room, it was as if the whole world went dark. My heart cried, why? 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 If I could choose, I wouldn't have had any of my children go through such a thing. And if I had to choose one of my children, I wouldn't have chosen Nicole at that moment in her life. She seemed so vulnerable. In an instant, we were cast into life-changing mystery and our theological non-negotiables didn't take mystery away. Nicole did recover well, but we lived through four years of travail. Any of you gone through travail that took time or maybe still takes time? 
I held on to the thought that our lives were not out of control. We were comforted again and again with the thought that when it came to Nicole's accident, God was neither surprised nor afraid. You see, there is no mystery with God. He is never caught off guard. He never wonders how he's going to deal with the unexpected thing. I love the words of Daniel 2.22. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. God is with you in your moments of darkness because he will never leave you. But your darkness isn't dark to him. Your mysteries aren't mysterious to him. Your surprises don't surprise him. He understands all the things that confuse you the most. Not only are your mysteries not mysterious to him, but he is in complete charge of all that is mysterious to you and me. Remember today that there is one who looks at you at what you see as dark, and he sees light. And as you remember that, remember too that he is the ultimate def definition of everything that is wise, good, true, loving, and faithful. He holds both you and your mysteries in his gracious hands, and because he does, you can find rest even when the darkness of mystery has entered your door. Praise God. Because it doesn't always go the way we want. And praise be to God that he is there in the midst of everything. And also, he has his, the body of believers there. That's why we are so important. to Not only to each other, but to our community and the people we come in contact with. So before I ask you the two questions that you, and maybe Chris will lead this, I want us to pause just a moment. And would you just talk to God? about what you've just heard. And if you are going through a difficult time, can you just open up to him and just ask him for, Lord, would you please help me with this? One of those difficulties, perhaps, that you're facing. Lord, thank you that we can meet together like this. Thanks for the singing. Thank you for the encouraging that goes on, the inter the relaxing talking together and praying, and some were being prayed for. We thank you for that. And thank you that you hear us and that you're with us. If everything seems going well or things are difficult, you said you would be a present help in time of trouble. We thank you for that. Thank you for the encouragement that you give to us. Thank you for today, in Jesus' name.
what we have the privilege of doing in line with what Sam has just talked about is joining people in the conversation that God is already having with them. When we encounter people, it's not the first moment that God has shown up in their lives, but maybe it is incarnationally, tangibly, uh, for someone to have a conversation. But we just want to spend some a few minutes reflecting on what Sam has shared with us. Knowing that Jesus was always ministering to people, the Father placed in his path, who is Jesus putting in front of you to love and serve through the daily rhythms of your life? How might you creatively love and serve a person like that this week? So that's what we're going to respond to in our groups, and then the proactive workshop part of this is that we're going to pray about it and ask God to give us strength and power and wisdom and discernment encouraged to walk into those situations and be the tangible incarnational presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen.